So the topic for tonight, right, is um, God's high view of marriage. So we're kind of hung on that thing of high view, high view of parenting, high view of marriage, right? We just kind of keep moving on high view of our whole lives, right? So we're going to focus on that topic tonight. The first part of our time, um, I'm going to take us in a direction that you might think is a bit of a tangent or you're thinking, ah, where's she going with this? But just maybe for the first 15 minutes or so, um, but please hang in. I think by the time, if you just track with it and you really open your heart to you're going to realize that um, where we're going is is really critical to this view of high a high view of marriage okay so if you remember with parent coaching to mere mortals so just like when peter um uh, when jesus asked asked peter peter who do you say that i am and peter said lord you are the Christ. And do you remember what Jesus said to him? He said, Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. My father revealed this to you. So that's the same case with this issue of what is marriage? Is hidden mystery to mere mortals. You can't even understand what marriage is without God breaking in on you with revelation from heaven. So that's where we're going. That's what we're aiming at. So I have actually been praying that at some point, each of us will hear Jesus say our name personally and ask this question. So what do you say that marriage is? And that each of us is going to be able, by, by progressive revelation, be able to give him an answer that makes him smile. And that he's actually going to be able to say to you, you know what? Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. My father in heaven revealed that to you. So I can tell you one thing for sure as we go after this, right? If we really want spiritual, heavenly revelation, you can't just ask for it. You can't just grab it. You can't just think yourself into it. If we really want to know by heavenly revelation, mysteries that are not accessible to mere mortals about what marriage is, we're going to have to come to God humble humble it's the key humble because when you're humble god knows he can trust you with revelation he knows that you're going to take it and you're going to live it and you're going to incorporate it into your life and you're going to become one with it if you're humble he isn't going to throw his pearls before swine so humble is god goes okay i can hear this prayer i can i can trust you with this revelation so that's where we're going to go okay for a bit here the only way we truly become humble is if we can see our life we get a glimpse of our life in the context of the real gospel how our life would be without jesus without being saved 
right? That's the key to humility. It isn't just, you know, the humbleness of, uh, well, I'm not such a big shot that I thought it was. No, we're talking about a deep revelation about your life. So let's start there tonight. Um, so, and once we do that, once we kind of go delve into this a little bit, then we're going to turn around and we're going to face the father and we're going to say, okay, now would you give us this revelation? All right. So it's in the true gospel where we come to realize that we owe God everything everything, every breath, every thought, every motivation, every bit of our strength and devotion, we owe him everything. It's in the context of the true gospel where we stand before a holy God and we see ourselves for who we really are apart from God having rescued us through Jesus Christ. I want you to listen to how Paul, the Apostle Paul, shows us um, ourselves apart from the grace of God. So I'm going to read his words to you, but hear him speaking to you out of Ephesians 2. It's verses 1 through 10. And if it helps you to focus, close your eyes, you know, fix your eyes on a bookshelf or something like that. But listen and listen to it personally. Hear the Apostle Paul give you a revelation about yourself. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's a gift. It's a gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them.
So the short and sweet of this is you are a total mess. You were born ravished by sin, born to be deceived and your life usurped by the devil. And God himself had to rescue you by laying down the life of his son to save you. Satan owned you. You had absolutely no hope of being able to save yourself. Your sinful heart was alienated from God, alienated from other people, and alienated from yourself. Bottom line, you were roadkill. For the devil to use you and throw you away. That was your life apart from Jesus saving you. So the only way out was to willingly, that's a key word, it's huge, willingly put your devastated life on the cross with Christ. Put it to death and have God make you again, new, with the heart and the mind and the motivations of Jesus. With the spirit of Jesus himself at the core of your existence. With you thankful, humble, thankful enough to love him, to serve him, and to live for him and him only, no matter what that looks like all the days of your life. There's no dickering with God. There's no halfway surrender. There's no your life and his life. When you're redeemed by the blood of Jesus, you give up self and you live for Christ by the life of Christ in you. That's the deal. That's the deal. And there's no other. As part of the reality of being created in Christ's image, you do receive wonderful benefits of love and peace and a pure heart and everything good that uh, and beautiful that makes up the kingdom of God that does come to you. But you receive that and those things because he is living his life through you. And in that arrangement, you agree to suffer for his sake. To die to self. To die as he is willing to die for you. To love him and to serve him with all your heart and soul and mind and strength 
to be consumed out of thankfulness and awe with glorifying his life through your life on earth. You can't live for yourself and live for him. You can't have it both ways. Not in the real gospel. It's a narrow gate you go through to receive God's saving grace. And you don't get to play games with it. You don't get to try and make the way wider. You die to self. No dying, no life. It's only when you realize this that you can be humble enough to willingly and joyfully, joyfully cry out without reservation, like the Apostle Paul, I have been crucified with Christ. And the life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. We cry out with joy, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Hallelujah. I'm free. Until we get there, we will never be able to receive the heavenly revelation about the meaning of marriage. Because marriage is all about your life being dedicated to his life and his glory. That's the essence of marriage. We will never be willing to die to self and to live to Christ or humble ourselves to the call of God on our lives in marriage unless we are overwhelmed with gratitude for what God has done for us. And to the depth of our being, we can say, God, I owe you everything. Everything. I live for you. I breathe for you. I live and move and have my being to serve you and your holy purposes in this marriage. So there, in that place, God will be free to give us holy revelation about this purpose for marriage, his purpose for marriage. Because he knows in that humble place, we're going to honor his revelation with full obedience as he reveals the path to us. It's only with that level of humility that we will be trustworthy to God. 
So if you're being self-centered in your marriage, you know, see our hands go up, right? If you're being self-centered in your marriage, start right here with what we're talking about now. Pray continually through all your days. God, humble my heart in gratitude for your salvation. Don't let me just take my salvation with my head. I want to be so overwhelmed with what you've done for me that I am yours and yours alone, right? And if you pray and you ask that, I can absolutely guarantee you God will give you that revelation. It's the deep desire of his heart to give you that revelation. Do we want it, right? We do want it. So I think in the chat, um, Maria has put a link and, and I want us just to stop here for a minute and we're gonna um, do something that I hope will work out for you. And that is that you link through to a song. It's just a very simple song. It's one that you know, it's a worship song. But I want you just to mute yourselves. You can, you know, cover your little screen or something. It's just a couple of minutes. But after we kind of dealt with this content right there, I just wanted to give us all an opportunity to worship God and to meet with him in the kind of in the midst of this particular worship song. So you see how God meets you in it and how you meet him and let your heart just fully respond and go wherever the Lord takes it. And then when that's over for you, then come back on the, on the call and we'll, we'll go on from there, okay? So you just click through and I'll see you in a bit. So Father in heaven, we would be those humble ones who come before you humble souls who can receive your deep and your spiritual revelation about marriage. God, you said this is a profound mystery. And we're asking you for the revelation. However you choose to give that to us in, in whatever bits and pieces or Inner, inner revelation that comes to us, God. We cherish it all. And Lord, we promise to be trustworthy with what you would reveal to us. We promise to bring our lives into conformity to the precious revelations that you give us. Find us worthy, Lord. Trustworthy. Lord, become hungry. We don't want to live our lives in bits of head knowledge. And, um, and just quippy statements about the things of your kingdom, God. We want to go deep. We want to go wide. 
and we want to come into the fullness of the reality of your scripture and your truth that says you have made us one with you. You've given us your mind, you've given us your heart, you've given us your life, you indwell us with your spirit. God, we want to walk in the reality of the whole true gospel, not the culturally watered down one. So as we come humble, God, reveal to us what you cherish and what we will cherish in return. For your honor and for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So expect God to answer that prayer. So as you're listening and where we go kind of from here for a little bit, kind of in the rest of your evening, but in your days, as your days and months go by, expect God to answer your prayer. And what you do is when he gives you revelation, stop and say, thank you. Don't just go, oh, there was a thought. No, you've got a living God. You've got a living God who's talking to you. So say thank you. Like, ah, I heard that, Jesus. I got that revelation. Thank you that you would talk to me. Who am I that you're even mindful of me? Yet you have made me and filled me with your son and with your life. I'm so grateful for every bit of wisdom and life you give me. Thank you for sharing your secrets with me, God. Right? This is a good way to live. Okay. If you go away with one upgraded revelation thought I'm feeling tonight, I hope it's in the sense that God has a very, very high view of marriage, including your marriage. That your marriage is way, way more about God than it is about you. It's, it's because he expects you to treat it with holy reverence and be willing to sacrifice not to mess it up. You owe that to him, right? So there are a few things <clears throat> in this life that God has ordained like parenting, like marriage, that he puts in place to reveal himself to the world. God designed the spiritual office of parent, parenting, to reveal himself in part to the world as father. We have an obligation to parent in a way that he can reveal himself as father in the world. And he created this sacred union, this, this holy mystery of marriage in great measure to reveal the covenant love between Christ and his church. It is no small revelation that you carry in your marriage. That's profound. That's sobering. 
that is a huge responsibility that we cannot take lightly. He reveals that to us. That revelation, that marriage is to reveal the covenant love relationship between Christ and his church. He reveals that to us in the middle of Paul's letter in the Ephesians chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. So let me read that to you. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Woe be it to us to live like marriage is about us. Woe be it to us to live our marriages in such a way that it obscures and distorts the revelation God appointed it to bring into the world. He appointed marriage to bring into the world the revelation of his unbreakable covenant relationship with the Lord's redeemed church. What a mystery. Listen to those verses in Ephesians again in the Passion Translation. For this reason, a man is to leave his father, leave his mother, and lovingly hold to his wife. Since the two have become joined as one flesh, Marriage is the beautiful design of the Almighty, a great and sacred mystery meant to be a vivid example of Christ and his church. So let's meditate on that description of your marriage. That's a description of your marriage. When we read some of the specifics uh, in Ephesians 5 about what God says that sh that should look like, we can crumble. We can get under a huge weight of shame and condemnation. We are told that to reveal this sacred relationship between Christ and the church, wives are to submit to their own husbands as to the Lord. As the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit everything and everything to their husbands. Try that one on for size. We're told that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy 
without blemish. What do we do with that? Holy moly, Lord help us, right? How many of us wives have read these verses and thought over and over through the years of marriage, if my husband was Christ, I would submit to him in everything very brightly, very quickly, and without one ounce of struggle. Thank you very much. Right. I've said that so many times to the Lord over the years. And one time I heard him speak back. I heard him say, oh, really, would you? How about when I tried to lead you in this direction and you said, no. And how about when I tried to comfort you and you refused to receive it? And how about when I asked you to do this and you only did it grudgingly? I am Christ. I am your spiritual husband. And you are not so good at submitting to me. But we are working it out, aren't we? I heard him say. We are staying together in covenant, aren't we? I'm forgiving you and providing you the opportunity to grow in righteousness, aren't I? And you're clinging to me, even though sometimes you'd like to run away. So we're doing good. Husbands, when you read these verses, did you ever stop to think how ugly the church has been toward Christ over the years? Do you think maybe it's difficult to love a church that hurts him over and over and over again, that disappoints him? that irritates him and wearies him, disrespects him, a church that has to come back to him over and over and over, repenting and mopping up the mess with him. So let's think again about this profound mystery of how Christian marriage is ordained by God to reveal to the watching world the covenant relationship between Christ and the church. Maybe when the world looks on and sees a Christian marriage where a husband and a wife are staying in covenant relationship with each other in a world where divorce is rampant Infidelity in marriage isn't even shocking anymore. And married couples treat each other so badly. Maybe that Christians staying together in covenant relationship, in covenant marriage, maybe that communicates more powerfully God's profound mystery than a Christian couple walking through their married lives in sheer bliss and compatibility. 
maybe the world really is seeing the covenant relationship between Christ and his church when they see a Christian husband and wife committed, come hell or high water, to stay the course of being better each day, of being better as people, better in the relationship, of being patient and kind more today than they were yesterday, not being envious or boasting as much today as yesterday, not being arrogant, not being rude, not insisting on their own way, not being irritable or resentful, not rejoicing at wrongdoing, not vengeful, not bearing or bearing all things, believing all things, enduring all things, seeing a love that never ends. Remember that, 1 Corinthians 13? When you think about it this way, maybe, maybe your marriage with all its bumps and all its bruises and all its frustrations and all its disappointments with all its unfulfilled longings is really the exact opportunity for God to showcase the covenant love between Christ and the church. Maybe you are perfectly positioned to fulfill in your marriage, no matter what state it's in, the expectation that you are dead to self and alive to him. That you're in this marriage knowing it's more about him and his glory than it is about you. So here's where the rubber meets the road. I prayed boldly for you that during those few minutes of, of worshiping with I surrender, um, that each of you husbands and each of you wives as married couple would offer God your full devotion to live for his glory in your marriage. But the truth is, that's not the case with some of you. Just statistically, I can say that. Maybe it's, it's more than just a few of you. Maybe in your marriage, one or both of you are not fully surrendered to Christ in your lives. Maybe. Well, what then? What then? What if it's a one-sided marriage and one of you is going, God, I surrender all, and the other one's going, eh, not so much. What about then? Right? If that is you, first let me address this. If that's you, if you're the one who's going, ah, maybe not so much, right? First and foremost, I'm going to say to you what the author of Hebrews says to you today if you hear his voice harden not your heart today is the day you can fall into god's arms 
with overwhelming thankfulness for all that he's done to save you from the devastation you deserve. And finally, you can get your feet out of both worlds and put them all in God's. Today's the day you can love him more than you love your worthless flesh and willingly start living for God and God alone and let him transform you. In marriage, if your wife or your husband, for whatever reason, persists in fleshly living and idolizing self, Christ knows exactly what you're feeling. He's been there. This can be the one of the richest opportunities in your life to grow in union with him. You and Jesus have so much in common. You will know him as comforter, as provider, as protector, as strengthener, as joy maker, as faithful friend, and God Almighty, who rescues and delivers and works miracles on your behalf and miracles in your marriage. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? He is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he does share his glory with you. Don't let anybody tell you he doesn't. He says he does. It's his deep desire of his heart is to share his glory with you. So you, and maybe that one-sided sort of season of your marriage, above others who have an easy marriage, will live to see the victory of your God. You will. When God himself paid the price to redeem us, he didn't promise us life was going to be a rose garden. He promised us the privilege to live it, live out difficult circumstances for his glory and to always lead us in triumph. That's his word. That's one of the precious promises First Peter talks about. Peter talks about in First Peter. So that involves learning to be a skilled warrior with the weapons that he's given you for warfare in your marriage. He's given you his name, his name, the name. He's given you his name. He's given you the sword of the spirit, which is the powerful word of God that will accomplish, it will accomplish what he sends it forth to do. He's given you prayer. He's given you worship. He's given you the awareness that giving thanks in all things is a huge weapon to destroy the works of the devil because he can't get you into self-pity and he can't get you into anger and he can't get you into resentment because for Pete's sake, he cannot kill your thankfulness. 
These are weapons you, that, that you above others, you who might have painfulness going on in your marriage now, you above all others will learn to wield these weapons because you're going to fight for your marriage like you're fighting for the very honor of God. You're going to learn to stand up and declare, no, Satan, you won't ruin this sacred marriage. Not in my house, not on my watch, you won't. You're going to turn around to the enemy. You're going to turn around to the powers that be in heavenly realms, and you're going to say, I carry the name. Don't mess with me and don't mess with my marriage. If Satan comes near you, you're going to tell him, you know what? You're just going to look on this marriage and weep because my God always leads me in triumph and I won't give in to your lies. My God supplies all we need in this marriage to overcome every obstacle, spirit, soul, and body. And in this marriage, this marriage will reflect the union between Christ and his bride, the church. You're going to learn how to fight like other people who have it easy don't learn how to fight. Every Christian couple who has stayed the course of marriage for God's sake has stories to tell of when they had to walk through the dark night of the soul. You're not going to be any different. We've been married for 45 years and we have had lots of opportunities to leave each other. Lots of opportunities to throw in the towel. But for the love and the honor of God. If you took my husband Dick out for coffee, he would tell you of times that God's command to him to live with his wife with understanding was sorely tried and drove him to points of despair. Right. Sometimes over these years, we had to get all the space from each other to regroup, but it was never ever for the purpose of breaking covenant with God or with each other but to gain some renewed strength so we could regroup and keep going. But I remember one particular time, and it was a particularly kind of prolonged, difficult season. And um, I, uh, I was a, it was a time when I heard close to what I think would the audible voice of God would be. I had actually gotten um, to the point where I had made a decision that I had to leave, that I had to separate from my husband. And, um, and I was brokenhearted and it was so painful. And I remember I was lying in bed one night, it was the middle of the night and I was next to Dick and I was just crying quietly and I was rehearsing in my mind going okay so tomorrow tomorrow here's my plan I know where I'm gonna go I know what I'm gonna do and 
and um, tomorrow I'll tell him I'm leaving. And I heard God say, oh, no, you won't. It wasn't an angry voice. It wasn't an empathetic voice. It was just a very matter-of-fact, clear voice that said, oh, no, you won't. And before I took another breath, I said, okay, I won't. I don't know how I'm gonna survive, but I won't. And I rolled over and I went back to sleep. And um, I cringe now sometimes when I think about what would have happened had I dishonored God had I not been willing to suffer, had I not been willing to pay the price to say this marriage is about God, it's not about me, right? What joys as a family we would have lost, what disillusionment I could have brought on my children, on my grandchildren, on the people that we minister to and preach the gospel to, right? Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God for learning to hear his voice and thank God for placing inside of us a heart that hungers and thirsts for righteousness and humbly says, it's not about me. My life is not about me, right? So you can get through those rough times and come out into the joy. So let me leave you with this to ponder. For this reason, a man is to leave his father and his mother and lovingly hold to his wife. Since the two have become joined as one flesh, marriage is the beautiful design of the Almighty, a great and sacred mystery meant to be the vivid example of Christ and his church. So let me pray for you. Lord, we, we come before you and we come humble, just humble God. Would you find us teachable? Would you find us broken in a good way? Would you look on our hearts and say, I can see those hearts are hungry for righteousness, hungry to be free from a world that just yanks them around and bring fully into my world where life is good, even in the hard times, where there's meaning, where there's purpose, where life is high, where their marriages are high. Lord, would you pour your spirit on us? Would you fill all the space in us that was once filled with self? Fill it with you. Fill it with the spirit of Christ. Fill it with your wisdom and your power and your grace. That we are one with you. That we are supernatural beings living in natural bodies. Lord, put your hand on each of these marriages.
claim them as your own and don't lose one of them. Don't let the devil get at one of them. Help them where they're weak. Blow the word of the spirit on them to make them strong in you for your glory because you're worthy. Amen. Amen, amen. I always end up crying when I pray for you guys. <laughs> so I want to just, one more quick thing I just want to share with you, just um, a closing thought that I want to give you to just bring in what we've been talking about back into the context of parenting, because that's you know, one of our big focuses, obviously, as LOE families. So people outside of your marriage see you from afar, right? So they don't really know the nuances of, of what's going on, right? But your children, your children see your marriage close up. You can't hide anything from your children. Remember that. Even when you think you're behind closed doors, even when you think you're talking to a friend on a phone in the other room, even when you think you're having a, um, and you've come out of having a disagreement with each other and now you're coming into like, don't believe that you can hide anything from your kids. You can't. You'll be surprised years down the line when they tell you exactly what they knew that was going on. They are very, very discerning. They feel energies they feel and they discern they can feel judgment versus forgiveness they can feel resentment versus compassion they can feel war in your soul versus peace and they can feel the spirit behind your words they can feel your attitudes, your postures, your demeanor. They know what it means. And they can feel hypocrisy versus what's genuine. So your life, bottom line, is an open book to your kids. Your marriage is an open book to your kids. When you think about the first line of influence your marriage has on the watching world because that's what God has it there, has it on display, right? To, to reveal to the watching world the power of covenant love. Your kids are in first in line in that watching world. So we've always said, right, in parent coaching that having children can be the greatest motivation um, for you to grow up, <laughs> right? It's a good time to grow up when you have kids. It's um, a good, good time to get your act together. It's a good, good time to get so serious with God that you're asking humbly for revelation so you can bring your life in line with it. Because your children need to be able to stand on the highest floor of revelation that you can leave them with so they can use that as their starting point for the next generation, right? That's what we agree with when we talk about our parenting, right? So today is a really good day to think about that when it comes to working on your marriage.
So actually, we are going to stop here for about 20 minutes um, early, intentionally. And, um, and I'm not going to open it for questions. I'm not going to open it for discussion, because I want the rest of the class to go on in your home together. And so we're going to hop off this call. And you guys are going to carry on. And, um, and just, I'm going to just suggest to you a Charlotte Mason approach. Just, just take some time together and say, what did you hear? <laughs> what stood out to you? You know, what touched your heart? And then pay attention to that and just, and just take it from there. What did you hear? What stood out? Um, is there any way that what stood out to you is something that God is asking us to pay attention to and to honor. Remember we said, he's got to find you trustworthy. You want revolution, re revelation? You better be trustworthy with whatever grain he gives you. So if something stood out, then ask each other, what can we do with this to show God we honor the fact that he would give us this point of revelation, the God of all the earth gave you a point of revelation, you better do something with it. You better, right? If you want any more, that's for sure, right? So figure out, is there something we can do to honor this point of revelation in our marriage? And then I hope you'll pray together. And, um, and that's it. The class is going to be over when you, but don't end before 9.30 or you're cheating, right? So at least give yourselves till 9.30. Okay, I love you guys. It's good to be with you. Um, you got to hear a lot from me. I didn't get to hear hardly anything from you, but next time. So we will, we have two more classes, tomorrow workshops. Next week is um, ladies night. <laughs> ladies night out, come with your lattes, right? Um, uh, so we're gonna be talking about what it means to be a helpmate for your husband, a helper. And then the following week, we're going to be talking, um, we'll be, the dads will all be together, the husbands will all be together, and we're going to be talking about headship. So big, big topics coming. So, okay, we'll all be praying for God to say something good to all of us, right? <laughs> all right, love you guys. Night, night. <laughs>